The shortest distance between a problem and a solution is the distance between your knees and the floor. The one who kneels to the Lord can stand up to anything. Some people think kneeling down is a sign of weakness, but kneeling down is a sign of strength because my help is coming. Look at your neighbor and say, my help is coming. The power of a praying church cannot be matched by anything the enemy has planned. Today's message reminds us the importance of praying our way through difficulties and trials. And as stated in today's message, the shortest distance between your problems and a solution is a distance between your knees and the floor. What a wonderful day this is today. The sun is shining. It's a beautiful day in Alaska. Those that don't know what beautiful days in Alaska in November looks like, it looks like this. God has shined upon us and given us wonderful sunlight. I want to first give honor to God, who is the head of my life, and to uh, Bishop Otis McCormick, to the pastor of Lily the Valley Church of God in Christ, Pastor Hornbuckle, and the ministerial staff. We thank you so much for this invitation. And to my wife, Crystal, my love of 24 years. Yes, I got it right. And to my children, Jasmine, my oldest, and Giovanna. And I remember the age that she is, where I was at that age. I was right here at Lily of the Valley at that age. <laughs> I was in the junior choir. I was sitting beside Dr. Watson over there playing the drums. So I, when I saw him playing, I said, I got to get over there just one more time and rekindle some memories of Lily of the Valley. I, was, I remember when I came to Lily of the Valley years ago, and only a couple of us will probably remember that, Sister Hornbuckle, I know she would, and Brother Watson. We were in the old, old church, not the one right here, but the other one, the other one where it was cold on the floor, cold, but we had some good times. We had some church, Sister Lola. And then we moved over to the other church, the newer one, I call the newer Lily of the Valley. And we had some more church where the Liliettes sang. Sister Lynette Miller, who's married now, Sister Tammy, my other Sister Denise, and Sister Michelle, we all, they sang and sang as the Liliettes. We had such a good time with the Millers, the Wests, the Moors. I'm going way back. Deacon Moore, I just love to hear him pray. I got so excited because I knew when he prayed, we're going to have some church that day when Deacon Moore prayed. It was such a wonderful time at that time. So I just thank God for Pastor Hornbuckle allowing me to share again those memories. Now, before I go into the Word of God, I want to share my testimony. I don't share it very often, but I felt led to share it today. It was September 12, 2005. I was doing what typical men do on Monday night, and that is watching Monday night football and eating my Hazendaz ice cream and just enjoying myself. I just really rededicated my life to God, and I was really going strong in the Lord, and I was just ordained that June at the convocation in 2005, and 
I was just living life and having a great time. I had 16 years in the Army at that time, and I was getting ready to wrap up in PCS. I knew I was going someplace wonderful. They had set up for me in Ohio. I didn't even know they had some place there, but they said they got a place built for me. I was all excited. And as I was eating that ice cream, enjoying myself and enjoying life, not knowing what the next moment held, suddenly I lost my taste buds. And that ice cream that was so pleasant, y'all know what Hazendas is. Yeah. You know, you know, when we were young, we had to get Carnation and Derrigold ice cream. But when you got older, we said, we're going to go to Hazendas. We don't know how to pronounce it right, but we knew that was the cream of the crop. And I lost my taste buds. And then all of a sudden, the left side of my face went numb. And soon I began to lose my balance and became confined to my bed. I began to experience vertigo and could only lay on my right side and anytime I turned over the world and my my vision everything would start spinning I would get nauseous I begin to experience short-term memory loss and lose the ability to formulate words 45 days I laid there in the my room and in my home not being able to go anywhere and not getting any better I went to doctors after doctors and finally late October the doctors, after going through so many tests, spinal taps, and all sorts of things, I was medevaced and flown down to the States, lower 48, where the doctors concluded that, Jeffrey, you have multiple sclerosis. And there's no cure for this thing. But at the time, I didn't care. I was just so happy that they could give me whatever I needed to make me feel better at that moment. So I. After getting treatment and I was on steroids, IV steroids, not pills, for three straight days, constantly getting drops of IV steroids in my system, I began to feel a little bit better. And then I had the long road to recovery where I had to go to physical therapy and learn how to walk again, learn how to get coordination. They took me to speech therapy where I had to learn how to formulate words and talk again. And a lot of y'all didn't know all this. I became so uh, dependent upon the outside world to help me. I didn't know how I was going to make it. I was told that I was going to be a cripple. They told me that because I was an African-American male, the diagnosis was even grimmer because of the progression of the illness. They said so many negative things, but I decided to believe a different report. The saints began to pray and then the miracles start happening. Miracles, I had 16 years in the army and then I had to go to a medical board. Medical board determined that I was unfit to stay in the army. I said, Lord, no, I got too many years invested. So I fought that medical board, went down to Fort Lewis, Washington to, 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 to uh, uh, go against what they were trying to do. And I went down and saw a lawyer that was there and he happened to be a lawyer that actually worked with me years ago. He said, I know you, Sergeant McCormick. We're going to work this thing out. And as I got ready to present myself and my case before the colonels that were there, the guy said, let me go in there and talk to them first. Came back out after an hour or so later and said, you don't have to go in there. Don't worry about it. They said, you're going to stay in the Army. I said, thank God. Thank God. So I, a few months later, I decided I wanted to prove them wrong. Those that know me know I'm going to try to prove whatever they tell me I have to do. I'm going to try to prove them wrong. 
So I went and I took a PT test. And those that know in the Air Force know about the military PT test. I knew I couldn't run no more, but they allowed me to do the walk. But yet and still, I knew the skeptics were out there saying there's no way this man who could barely walk a few months ago is going to pass a PT test. Well, whose report are you going to believe? We shall believe the report of the Lord. His report that I can do all things. Good glory to God. Through Christ that stood with me, I passed the PT test. They said because of my cognitive difficulties, I still go through sometimes, and all the short-term memory loss that I would never be able to finish school. They said you won't be able to retain, but this May 2014, I was able to graduate with a bachelor's degree in social work. God is still an awesome God. Here I am nine years later after that diagnosis, and I'm still standing. I'm still being able to preach. Now, now I preach at the Lily, the old Lily, when Pastor Parham was there, and I don't preach like that no more. <laughs> but I know how to give what thus said the Lord. God has given me so much grace. And I, this is not about me. I'm, I'm here to help somebody. I still have rough times. There are still times where days are difficult and there are still times where I would cry at night because of different discomforts and pain. But he's given me the grace. He's given me the strength to fight this good fight of faith. Now I carry a special message to those who are dealing with long-term chronic illnesses. I carry a special message to those that have been going through and don't feel like they don't have an answer. And every day they wish for a better day. I, I want to tell you something that some of the people may not be able to tell you. I'm qualified to tell you because I went through. Sometimes you have to die. In other words, let me just use that term so that other people may see something else. This was my lot in life so I can minister to somebody else that's hurting, somebody else that's going through. Maximize your life. It may not always be easy. I'm not saying it's easy every day. My wife will tell you. Folks may not understand you. Your friends may not understand you. Some of them may even get tired of you and decide they want to leave you. But let me tell you something. Those that are going through those times of hurting, those illnesses, those times where your marriage is wrecked, those times where divorce is looming, those times where those finances are not working right, no matter how much you put in, it seems like more is going out. Let me tell you, those that are suffering, God has a place in his heart for you. There's a special place for those that are going through something that only you and God know about. And that's the secret place that God has for those that are going through. The secret place of those that don't know how they're going to make it. Those that are battling with suicide. Those that are battling with depression. Those that are battling with insecurities. Low self-esteem. God has a special place for you. Woo! Now that was my testimony. Let's get to the word of God. My, 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 I feel a little anointed in here tonight. Woo! Prayer, prayer. Let's talk about prayer. There were some quotes on prayer that I want to share with you, and then I'm going to go into the word of God. You can get the book of Acts, the 12th chapter. We're going to read the first through the 11th verses. But Charles H. Spurgeon, a famous minister or preacher, says all true Christians are marked by prayer. He said, you are no Christian if you do not pray. 
A prayerless soul is a Christless soul. He said the condition of the church may be accurately gauged by its prayer meetings. If God be near a church, it must pray. If he be not there, one of the first tokens of his absence will be slothfulness in prayer. Martin Luther said to be a Christian without prayer is no more possible than to be alive without breathing. To be a Christian without prayer is no more possible than to be alive without breathing. Acts 12. And I'm going to ask my wife if she's ready. If she would read for me verse 12. And can we stand as we read the word of God and acknowledge but of his word? Chapter 12, verse 1 through 11. And the word of God is blessed. You may take your seats. For a topic I'm going to use today, the power of a praying church. The power of a praying church. And as a subtopic, just food for thought that I'll touch on briefly, when the bride cries. When the bride cries. I married my wife June 23rd, 1990. <laughs> I had to slide into that one. And one of the first experiences that we experienced was the taking in of finances. Hope you don't mind me telling this. And as we're taking in our monies from the blessings from the wedding, my wife looked at me and said, I don't know what I do with the money. And I looked at her with the look of of, of what was that look? Displeasure. And she had a sad look on her face. And that sad look was noticed by her mother and also my mother. You see, when the new bride is wounded and hurt and begins to cry, she didn't cry, y'all. It attracts the attention of everyone. Can you imagine at a wedding at the reception and the bride starts crying? When the bride cries, the husband must stop. The mother stops. And most importantly, the mother-in-law stops. And those that know my mother-in-law, Mother Deans, she can stop traffic. So when the bride cries, everyone stops. When the bride cries, people take notice. Everyone wants to see what's the matter with the bride and how can we help this bride. Well, the church is the bride of Christ. Christ has invested his life into the church. He invested his life blood into the church. And when the bride cries, when the church begins to cry, it will garner or gather the attention of God. When the church begins to cry, when the church begins to pray, when the church begins to call out unto God, God will answer their prayers. God helps the church that invests in the success of prayer meetings. Let me say that again. God helps the church that takes the time to invest in prayer meetings. 
I'm going to leave that alone. The prayer meeting is the church's thermometer. If you ever want to go into a house and see how the temperature is in a house, you look at the thermometer. If you want to know the climate of a church, look how much that church spends in prayer. Prayer taps into the spiritual world. Prayer taps into the supernatural world. Before things take place in the natural, it has already happened in the spiritual. The natural world reacts to the actions of the spiritual world. Our miracles take place in the heavenlies before it is manifested here on the earth. That's why Jesus said, let thy will be done on earth as it is already done in heaven. Let your will be done here as it already has taken place, signed, sealed, delivered in heaven. Let what's already happened in heaven be revealed to the people here on earth. That's why Abraham became the father of many nations before Sarah's natural conception of Isaac. Before she gave birth, he was already named the father of many nations because it took place in heaven. The moment that it was done in heaven, it was already completed. Abraham just had to wait for the visual manifestation of the work to be done. Now, now, I'm saying this because this explains, Pastor Bishop, this explains why the child of God can rejoice. We're just going through the motions because it's already done. Our healing is already completed, though the pain still lingers. That husband will be saved, though he seems to be acting worse. That financial breakthrough that you were looking for is complete even though my money still seems a little bit funny. You know, sometimes it just takes a moment for my checkbook to get the message that I'm really not broke anymore. Y'all didn't, didn't hear that. It, does, it takes a moment for my checkbook to realize. It takes a moment for my body to realize that virus is not affecting me anymore. It takes a moment to realize that that habit that was binding me up and confining me is broken by the power of Jesus Christ. Sometimes it takes a moment. It takes your employer a moment to realize that they promoted the wrong person. So sometimes they go back <laughs> offer you the same position, give you a signing bonus, or double for your trouble, but it was already signed, sealed, and delivered. And the text, and I'm getting, I'm, I'm, I'm about to go. I'm about to go, I'm about to go somewhere else because I'm feeling something here. I want to stay right here. In the text, Herod, King Herod, Agrippa tried to kill the church in its infancy. He killed James. And he found out that the Jewish folks, the church folk at that time, can I say, those that were in the church, not the, the way, not the way, let's be clear, but those that were in the synagogue, those were in the building, they were so happy when he did that. And Herod was so happy that they were happy that he said, well, I'm going to do something else. I'm going to get a hold of Peter, and I'm going to take him out too. You know, some folks even in the church, are so jealous of your anointing, they're so jealous of your position that they set traps to see you stumble. 
They set obstacles in your path just to mess you up. And then they watch to see what's going to happen. And then they get pleased when they see the person stumbles us in the church. Some people have put you through the test just to discredit you in front of others. Whoo. But Herod's plan backfired. Herod miscalculated. And sometimes the devil, although he has plans, he miscalculates. The devil thought that that trial, the, that, that, can I take my coat off now? This don't mean I'm a preacher, it just means I'm hot. If I get it right. That trial that was going to wipe you out, he knew he, he planned the trial, and all of a sudden he would miscalculate and found that, that you're still praising God. He thought that that persecution was going to kill you, but he miscalculated and you're still coming to church. He thought that by taking your money, he would steal your praise, but he miscalculated because my praise is not in my money. My praise is unto God, and you can't take my praise for what the world He miscalculated. Look at the neighbor and say, he miscalculated. He miscalculated your determination. <laughs> he miscalculated your source of joy. Thank you, Lord. For the songwriter wrote, this joy that I have. <laughs> Y'all know the words. The world didn't give it to me. You didn't give me this joy. And you, can I get a little country on you? And you sure enough can't take it away. He miscalculated your inner strength. He miscalculated your faith in the almighty God. He miscalculated didn't think that you would start putting your hands together and praying. He thought you were going to start crossing your arms in despair. He thought you were going to bow out, but he didn't realize you are going to start bowing down. Instead of giving up and putting your car in park, you grab the Holy Ghost grit. Y'all don't know about manual cars because we all drive automatic, but when I grew up, we had uh, manual cars where you had to operate with two feet. One had to put it on the clutch, and one had to shift. And sometimes these trials will cause you to have to take your car out of neutral, put it in first, and say, I'm going to go. I'm going to go. I'm not going to be able to go fast, but I'm going to go because I know God has got my back. In your helpless state is where you'll find your strength. The strength of helplessness. Psalms 121, 1 through 2 says, I will lift up mine eyes into the hills from whence cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord, which made heaven and earth. God does not care about your economic status or your social status. He doesn't care about that when it comes to somebody that's praying. In fact, Psalms said it really good. He said in Psalms 34 and 6, this poor man. It didn't matter he was rich. He said, this poor man cried and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all of his troubles. What was the criteria of that salvation that he was talking about? He said, the angel of the Lord encampeth around about them that fear him. The criteria of your deliverance lies in your fear of God, your reverence of God. God, I'm letting you know you're my only source of help. If you don't help me, I can't be helped. If you don't make a way, there won't be no way made. If you don't open the door, there will be no door open. If you don't open the windows, I won't be blessed. But if you open doors, God, no devil in hell can close it. The church began to pray. 
They besieged heaven with the power of prayer. They understood, they understood this quote that someone said, the shortest distance between a problem and a solution is the distance between your knees and the floor. The shortest distance between a problem and a solution is the distance between your knees and the floor. The one who kneels to the Lord can stand up to anything. Some people think kneeling down is a sign of weakness, but kneeling down is a sign of strength because my help is coming. Look at your neighbor and say, my help is coming. The church learned that even though doors may close on earth, may be locked on earth, God always has a key. Matthews 11 and 12 says, And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffering violence, and the violence take it by force. Sometimes we got to take this thing by force, not by words, not by actions, but by the quality of our prayer. God, I'm spending time with you for this situation. I've got a child, not, not y'all, y'all. I've got a child that is going through. I've got a child that's suffering, God. I can't affect them with my words. I can't get them to a change with my words. But God, you know how to talk to the heart. You know how to move in the heart. What we need to do is stop talking so much to people. People can't solve your problem. There's certain problems that are demonically influenced that can't be talked through with people you're going to have to get down on your knees and talk to God and say God okay I'm selling down this is all out of my notes let me go back to my write this down point number one focus on God and not the impossibility of the situation focus on God and not the impossibility of the situation 12 Hebrew spies went out, spied the land. 10 of them saw giants with finite power. 10 of them saw, but two of them saw a giant God with infinite power. Israel saw Goliath, a giant man, but David knew Jehovah, a giant God. Jesus in Matthews 21 and 21 says, Verily I say unto you, if you have the faith and not doubt, you shall not only do this which is done to the fig tree, but also if you shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed and be cast in the sea, it shall be done. And all things whatsoever you ask in prayer, believing you shall receive it. Let me tell you, Jesus did not have time to move the mountain one little rock at a time. He didn't tell us to speak to the little rocks on the mountain. He didn't tell us that. Jesus doesn't focus on moving rocks into the sea one at a time. We get focused and distracted by the little things. And we try to move the little things. But Jesus is a mountain mover. And he uses the term mountain figuratively. Whatever mountain stands in your path, whatever obstacle blocks your way, whatever difficulty immobilizes or paralyzes you, the prayer of faith can move it. But the first thing we got to do is shift our focus from the size of the mountain. You got to shift it. The problem seems so big. You got to shift it from the size of the mountain to the capability of the mountain mover. Y'all didn't hit that. You got to move it from the side. The mountain's huge. 
standing by Mount Everest. I've never been there. But I can imagine that 29,000-foot mountain, so high that you can't even see the top of it, would seem daunting to even climb, but let alone move. This is not my job, God, to move the mountain. My job is to believe that you can do it. Y'all didn't get that. We get it twisted sometimes. We think it's our job to move the mountain. That's not my job. I don't have the strength to do it. But I know a man that can speak to waters that are troubled and cause them to solidify with underneath his feet and be able to walk on. I know a man that when the Red Sea was right in front of them and they couldn't go nowhere, was able to divide the Red Sea, blow on it all night long until it was dry, and then in his timing, impeccable timing that he has, when Pharaoh's army was walking through it, he said, whoop, and let it go back down. I know a God that can take you in the fiery furnace, cause a fire to burn everybody around you, but then you walk in with your clothes unburnt. The ropes is the only thing that falls off because we serve a God that let me go back. So what we need to do is tell him about it. Lord, this is my problem. Then believe he's willing to move it. And then move on to some serious praise. Sometimes we spend too much time describing the mountain to God. God, the mountain is this big. It's this far around. It's this high. It's this wide. It's this heavy. God said, I know about the mountain. I knew it was there before you got there. I know how to move it. Oh, my God. We spend too much time. So tell God, God, this is my mountain. I know you got it, and now I'll give you praise. The Bible says with thanksgiving. Let your request be made known. God, I just give you praise. I don't know how you're going to work it out. It ain't my business, but I'm going to cut a little rug. I'm going to give God praise. I might be in my shower. I might be in my bathroom. I might be sitting there putting on my clothes. I might have take a break at work. I don't know. I'm frustrated at work, but I got to take a break. And when I get in my restroom or, or my place of silence, I just give you some praise because I know you're already working it out. Okay, I'm, I'm moving, moving. Point two, let me hurry. Pray with earnest and persistence. Prayer was made without ceasing. Prayer was intensified. It was made more earnest. The prayer was more fervent and with sheer intensity. They were all in one accord in their prayer, focused on one goal and one cause. They, they had so much focus in their prayer. A lot of times we come to prayer and we have a, a corporate prayer. Somebody's praying about the dog and somebody's praying about the cat and somebody's praying about the job and somebody's thinking about what they got to cook for dinner and somebody's praying about the husband. And we got all these prayers going up. We're talking about we united in prayer. No, they had one prayer. Leave your other prayers at the door. We all going to pray for Peter. That's all I want you to do is pray for Peter. Sometimes we got to come to church and say today, I don't know, I'm just going to use this. as a. We're going to focus on this drunk that's in the street, this one drunk. You say, I don't really want to care about this drunk. Why are you going to pray about this drunk? Well, there's a story about that. The church began to pray for one drunk that everybody knew on the street. And they said, why? This, this drunk ain't never been saved. But when that drunk got saved, it started reviving the whole city because that drunk, everybody knew he was a sinner. Everybody knew he was going to hell. When they prayed for him and he got saved, everybody turned around and realized there is a God someplace. We've lost our passion for prayer. Desert Storm happened back in 1990 and all types of prayers were going forth. 
Miracles happened. 9-11 happened. All types of prayers. Whatever happened to the old-fashioned shut-ins? I remember the old lily. I might refer to the old lily and then the old, old lily. But I don't remember the old, old lily too much. But the one right here. We used to pray. Well, they used to pray. And we had to be here as young people. We didn't go home. And they prayed all night. I was in the back row. That back row. But they prayed all night. And by the time we came back to church on Sunday, things happened. Miracles happened because the saints prayed. Now we have a shut-in. <clears throat> we call it shut-in, but it is really a sleepover. Oh, Lord, I done messed up. It's a sleepover. We're not praying no more. We sleep. We rested in the arms of the Lord. But that's not what it's all about. They prayed with intensity. Prayer. Herod's action of imprisoning Peter and killing James started a reaction in the church. It caused a force to be activated more powerful than hell itself. The Bible says, the, upon this rock I'll build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Herod meant it for evil, but God. Look at your neighbor and say, but God. God turned it around. Number three, number three, the force of united prayer can overcome anything. I'm slowly wrapping up, y'all. When the oceans unite and come against land, they call it a tsunami or tidal wave. When they unite, the power of the ocean can destroy buildings. You all seen what happened in, in Japan a few years ago, how it made little ships, big ships, look like a little toy ship on a rapids. It just threw it all around because that ocean force was united. Someone said snowflakes are fragile things. But when they stick together, they can stop traffic. And I was looking on the Weather Channel, and someplace in New York, it snowed 88 inches in 24 hours. I did not believe it. So I looked at it again, 88 inches in 24 hours. That is 7.3 feet of snow in 24 hours. I'm five foot nine and a half. Maybe I shrunk a little bit because I'm getting older, but I'm five foot nine and a half. Seven feet is way up there. That much snow fell in 24 hours. They laughed at that one snowflake that was coming down. I can imagine the kids were playing and woo, it's snowing. They were singing and happy. But when the snowflake began to unite behind one another, and the snowflake began to fall down after the first foot, they weren't smiling no more. After the first two feet, they weren't smiling. And all of a sudden, traffic began to stop. People began to get stuck because one snowflake united with another and another, and then it began to stop everything. That snowflake was so powerful that it attracted the state's attention. Then it attracted national news. All started with one snowflake that decided, now I'm, I'll just take it literally, one snowflake that decided to unite with the other and decided to unite with the other and decided to compress itself so tight that nobody can get around it, that it will take more than just little force to move it. It takes brute force. Well, if the saints of God can get together like that snowflake, if Lily of the Valley can get together like that snowflake, I know all of us have our differences so does the snowflake for there is no 
know two snowflakes alike, but those two snowflakes get together and put aside their differences to unite for one cause, and that is to cover the ground. If Lily of the Valley will unite like the snowflake and, and cover the ground and say this ground that we walking on is God's ground, it's our property, it's our blessing, if we can do that, Nothing can stop the praying church. If one prayer from Joshua, and I'm wrapping up, I'm feeling so good, y'all, caused the sun to extend one day. If one prayer from Moses caused the Red Sea to open up. If one prayer from Hezekiah, one prayer caused debt to back up. Can you only imagine if an entire church prayed? When a church prays, cities are converted. When church prays, revivals are breaking forth. When a church prays, supernatural things take place. When a church prays, the condemned are released. When the church prays, the devil is put on notice that he must cease and assist. When the church prays, those resident church demons, resident church demons, the ones that say, I belong here. Those resident demons, when a church begins to pray, those resident demons are given an eviction notice. Your time here is numbered. Oh my God, I, I don't know where all this is coming for. God hears the prayers of a praying church. God hears the bride's cries. Second Chronicles 7 and 14 says, if my people, if my people, if can I say, if the bride, which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray, seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then will I hear from heaven and forgive their sins and heal their land. My last point, don't stop until God gives you an answer. Don't stop until God gives you an answer. This prison Peter was in was naturally inescapable. Two different wards are set up. Two sets of guards within the escape and then reinforcements from the iron gate. But you know, you can't lock out a God that can walk on sand and leave no footprints. How are you going to lock out a God that could walk the waves of the ocean? How can you lock out a God that could sneak into the chambers of a king's bedroom? How can you lock out a God that uses the clouds as his surfboard and just rise the skies? How can you lock out a God that's so awesome, that's so omnipotent, that's so omnipresent, that's so omniscient? How can you lock out a God? Here we find Peter sleeping. How could Peter sleep? How could he sleep when death was looming tomorrow? He trusted in God. Psalms 91 and 1 says, He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide in the shadow of the Almighty. He shall cover thee with feathers, and under his wings thou shalt trust. Peter knew this was not his destiny. God had to show me this yesterday when I was preparing this. He showed me. He said in John 21 and 18, Jesus was talking to Peter. And he said, Peter, verily I say unto thee, when thou wast young, thou girdest thyself, walked hither where thou wouldest, but when thou get old. He told Peter, you're going to get old. Peter had not reached his age yet. Peter understood the prophecy of Jesus that you're not going to go until I say you're going to go and you're not old enough yet. So Peter was asleep.
because he trusted in Jesus. He said, when you walk into your divine destiny, when you walk into the plan of God, when you walk into where God would have you be, there's no devil in hell that can touch you. Maybe Peter understood that sometimes there's a little delay in deliverance. Maybe he understood that it, it, delay doesn't necessarily mean, Bishop, denial. Sometimes we got to walk through this folly of the shadow of death. Sometimes we got to walk through it, but we got, we got backup. I will fear no evil for what? Thou art with me. Jesus, you're with me in this storm. I don't care what they say. My destiny is not time yet. It's not time for me to go so I can rest assured that God will deliver. Here everybody was sleeping. Peter was sleeping. I can imagine the guards were sleeping. Herod was sleeping. Everybody knocked out and snoring. But God never sleeps. Psalms 121 and 4 says, Behold, he that keepeth Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. The Jewish leaders were sleeping. The guards were sleeping. Herod sleeping. And prayer will put, thank you, Bishop. Prayer places your enemy in a deep sleep. Y'all didn't hear that. Prayer places your enemy into a deep sleep. It gives them a false sense of security. Your enemy sets you up for a demotion, but they fell asleep. And when they woke up, you were promoted and they were getting the pink slip. Y'all didn't hear that. They lied on you, told a lie on you, but they made a mistake and fell asleep. And when they woke up, everybody discovered that they were lying and you were still standing for truth. Daniel, his enemies had him thrown in a lion's den, but while he was in a lion's den, they fell asleep. And when they woke up, they found themselves being thrown into the lion's den. And those lions had their jaws open this time. Herod was plotting to kill Peter, but he fell asleep. And when he woke up, Peter was gone, and Herod's own fate was signed, sealed, and delivered. The angel came and shined a light on Peter. And Peter was so asleep that the angel just couldn't speak to him and wake him up. He had to hit Peter and wake him up. The, Peter was so relaxed that the angel had to not only hit him, but he had to pick him up and lift him up. And when he lifted him up, the chains that once held him fell down. Now, when God sets you free, nobody can hold you down. When God stands for you, no weapon that's formed against you shall prosper. Uh, I heard the Bible say, uh, what shall we say to these things? Uh, if God be for us, uh, who can be against us? Uh, if God is standing for us, uh, I don't have to worry about man. Uh, I don't have to worry about my backstabbing neighbor. Uh, I don't have to worry about that jealous person. Uh, if God be for me, uh, he's able to take care of me. Uh, look at the neighbor and say, he's able. Prayer pushed him past the first ward. Uh, then prayer propelled him past the second ward. Uh, the only thing that stood in the way of his miracle uh, was the iron gate. Uh, the only thing that stands in the way of your miracle uh, sometimes is the iron gate. Uh, the iron gate said, uh, I'm blocking your path. Uh, the iron gate said, uh, you're not going through me. Uh, the iron gate said uh, that you got to walk by me uh, and I'm not opening the doors. Uh, but prayer uh, unlocks the doors. Uh, 
that the iron gate locks, uh, gates uh, will block your anointing, uh, gates uh, that will keep you from your healing, uh, gates uh, that kept you locked in low self-esteem, uh, gates uh, that had you flirt uh, with thoughts of suicide, uh, gates uh, that caused you or, or tempted you uh, to be compromised your integrity, uh, gates uh, that will cause you to slide back, uh, but prayer, somebody say prayer, prayer will bust the iron gate open, prayer will alter your situation, prayer will change your destiny, prayer will turn your morning into dancing, prayer will give you joy, unspeakable joy, prayer Prayer will cause a devil to have to take a back seat. It causes the demons to lose their stronghold. Prayer will cause the enemies to turn on themselves and attack themselves. And you can walk in and gather the spoil. Prayer will change the outcome. Prayer will change your destiny. Prayer will cause you to walk through the fire and not get burned. Prayer will cause you to leap over walls and still be able to float. No matter what you're going through, don't stop praying. No matter what you feel like, don't stop praying. Hold on to the blessings of God. Hold on to what God has done for you. What he promised, he'll bring it to pass. What he promised, he will do. Lily Ella Valley, no matter how it looks, no matter how it seems, God Somebody shout God. God has everything in control. No matter how dark it looks, there's a cloud in the sky. No matter how dry it looks, I hear Elijah saying, what do you see? He said, I don't see nothing right now. Go back and look again. What do you see? I see a little cloud about the size of a man's fist. He said, go, start running till Ahab, I hear rain. Look at your neighbor and say, there's coming a rain. There's coming a rain. There's coming a rain. God's gonna send rain. He's gonna send people from the north, south, east, and the west. He's gonna send people to bless your church. He's gonna send people to bless your ministry. All you got to do is hold on. Somebody say, hold on. Hold on and lift Jesus higher. Lift Jesus higher. Lift Jesus higher. Higher in your praise. Lift Jesus higher in your worship. Lift him higher in your fasting. Lift him higher. The more you raise the praise, the more he works miracles. See yeah. Everybody's standing. Everybody standing. Look at your neighbor and say, I got to pray. I've got to pray. It seems dark. Seems dreary. But everything is not what it seems. <laughs> everything is not what it seems. Peter after going past the iron gate, went to the house where they were praying, knocked on the door. 
little damsel, I think named Rhoda, came and answered the door. He said, I hear somebody that sounds like Peter. Came back into the place where they're praying. I said, I think I hear Peter at the door. They were so intense on their prayer. That ain't Peter. That's not Peter. Let's keep praying. That's all right. You may not see it, but keep praying. You may not understand. Sometimes your faith may even shake, but keep praying. Soon somebody went to the door and said, it is Peter. Our prayers are answered. But let me share this with you. The mistake that a lot of people make, once their prayer is answered, once the harvest comes in, once the blessings are springing forth, is they stop praying then. When your prayer is answered, that's not a time to take a break. That's not a time to say, I'm done now. I've reached my pinnacle. Because the devil is looming, waiting to see someone that stops praying. He gets so excited sometimes when he sees you get that miracle because he knows that a lot of us will stop praying then. So he just waits it out. But what we need to do as saints of God is no matter what, prayer is not what I do. It's who I am. It's not just a chore. It's my life. So you can't stop me from praying because that's my life connection. I have to talk to God. So no matter what happens, victory, valleys, mountains, pinnacles, low places, I'm still praying because I cannot allow that connection to be interrupted. Every head bowed and every eye closed. It's wonderful to talk about Peter and we can shout about what he did and what God did in his life. But now it's time to talk in 2014 about you. How is your prayer life? If someone was to take the thermometer of your life and look at the temperature of your spiritual life, what would they say about you? Would they say, I can depend on this person because they're a man or woman of prayer? Or will they say, I don't know. All of us can use a new or another reassessment of our prayer life. Lord, reassess me. Evaluate me, Lord. Where I am, what I'm doing. We used to sing a song, search me, Lord. In fact, a psalmist wrote and tried me. And see if there's any wicked thing in me. Lord, take it out. As we're eyes are closed, if you're here today, I don't want to embarrass anyone. But you know that you have been going through in your prayer life. I'm one of those. I'll be the first. You know you're going through. You know you allowed things that discouraged you. You were once running hard, but somehow something hindered you. I want you to make a commitment today. I'm not going to have you come up if you don't want to. But I just want you to lift your hands right where you are, with every head bowed and wherever your eye closed. And just say, preacher, I want to be honest. I'm not there. I see your hands. I see your hand. I'm not there, preacher. But I want to be there. 
And when we unite in prayer, thank you for your hands, you're going to see miracles take place in Lily of the Valley. When we get on one accord in prayer, God will change this community in which you all live. This place will be a beacon for the sinner man to say, I want to go there. I want to be a part of this. I don't know why I can't explain it, but somehow the prayer is making a difference and it's availing much. And when that happens, and it is going to happen, don't stop praying. Continue to seek God and let Thanksgiving ring in this building. Lord, I thank you for working a miracle. When the devil said I was done, when the devil said there was no hope, when the devil said that it's over in my life, when he said that my marriage was over, when he said that my finances are bankrupt, when he said that I can't make it, God, you stepped in and made a way out of no way. That's the God we serve. I heard it's a bit of Mission Impossible preached by your pastor. God focuses on what we call mission impossible. And he delights in making the impossible possible. With every head bowed, if you're here and you want prayer, and you want me just to pray with you, just come up as, as quickly as you can. And I'll pray real quick. I'm not going to have a long, long prayer unless the Lord leads him, but come real quickly. And if you don't come, I'll just pray for you at your seat. That's all right, too, because I see in your hands. But come, I want to touch and agree with you. I want to touch and agree with you. I want to touch and agree with you. I want to touch and agree with you today. God wants to work miracles. He wants to transform prayer lives because he delights in those that pray. If you pray, you won't faint. If you don't pray, you'll faint. He delights in those things. Father, I pray for those that are in the audience right now. You saw the hands of those. Those that raise their hands for a deeper commitment in prayer. God, I'm asking that you would give inspiration. Inspire your people again. Awaken those that sleep. Awaken that which lie dormant. Awaken that which didn't seem to be awake, oh God. God, even in my spirit, I sense that some have been so discouraged in their prayer that they secretly, within their hearts, said there is no use in doing it. They became indifferent to the fact that prayer does work, but yet and still they said, well, I don't see any results. God, I want you to electrify that prayer life. Electrify that prayer life. In the name of Jesus, like a battery, Plugging up, oh God, into another circuit that has a source of power and connects to it. God, I want you to connect to the heart of their prayer life and revive it in the name of Jesus. I speak revival in that prayer life. In the name of Jesus. And we give you praise. I want to thank you for taking time to listen to this message. Know that God loves and cares for you deeply. You know, we all have struggles in our life, tough times, and much more. But God is about to do great things in your life. Remember the scripture found in Galatians 6 and 9. And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. 
It's your season for breakthrough. Don't give up. Don't stop. Trust God to bring you through. God bless you. I would like to take a time to thank all listeners of the Lily Kojic Podcast. I pray that you or someone close to you was truly blessed by the messages that we bring to you weekly. As we go forward, we ask that you share the podcast with as many people as possible. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 7 states, So neither is he that plants anything, neither is he that waters, but God gives the increase. Our goal is to expand this ministry to reach more people with the good news of the gospel. You can help us achieve that goal by supporting us with a donation of any amount. We have a donation button located on our podcast page that will allow you to support this ministry. Thank you and God bless.